Hey guys, welcome to the Shire Salvos podcast, episode three, coming at you tonight. Hope you're doing well wherever you're listening. Uh, you might be uh, listening on the way to work or uh, coming back from work. We certainly hope that this uh, is an encouraging podcast uh, for you. And thanks for all of the uh, lovely feedback we've been getting over the last couple of weeks. We're really enjoying uh, doing this podcast for you. The wonderful Claire Clifton is sitting next to me. Great to be chatting with you as always. Claire, how are you doing tonight? I'm very good. It's exciting to be doing this again with you. Now, you've been uh, back at church the last couple of weeks. What's the vibe yes. been like at Shire Salvers having been off for so long? It was so good. We're sitting here recording on a Sunday night and, yeah, it was great to be at church this morning, um, maskless, <laughs> which is pretty cool, um, and just great to see everyone there. Yeah, really great to have uh, church uh, back on the horizon. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, taking a look at Mark's sermon a little bit later on in the podcast. But first, we're going to have your Shire Salvos news. And uh, kicking it off, we've uh, got uh, some promotion for youth group. Uh, so youth is happening every fortnight. So you can contact Anastasia Sims uh, for any more information about that. The next edition of youth group is happening on the 5th of March. Uh, we've got a ladies' night on the ladies. 26th of February this week, 6.30 p.m. It's going to be dinner down at Roranora River. You can contact Catherine Lucas for more information uh, in regards to that. Or you can uh, just ring the, the office at Menai if you want any more info uh, in regards to that. Uh, Joel Campbell is the man to be chatting to for the young adults. They've got a coastal walk happening uh, next Sunday, the 28th of Feb. That's going to be starting at 10 a.m. Uh, at uh, Cape Salander, so down there in beautiful uh, Cornell. So that should be a really good day. If you're keen on that, uh, do get in contact uh, with Joel and he'll be able to give you the necessary information uh, about that. We're also having our self-denial appeal uh, all throughout the month of, uh, month of March. Uh, so we're going to have, uh, yeah, that's going to be running and it's one week salary towards the work of the Salvos across the world. And that's something that our church has done a, a really good job of the last couple of years and been a little bit different with COVID being around Claire, but it's, yeah, it's still a really great initiative, the self-denial appeal. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important as um, part of this global church um, that we can give generously and sacrificially um, to the work of the Salvation Army overseas and actually every territory of the Salvos across the world participates in this. And I think even William Booth started it way mm. back in the day. So we've been doing it for a long time, but I think, um, yeah, it just encourages us um, during self-denial time to deny ourselves of something um, so that we can put aside that money um, to donate to um, the international development work of the Salvo. So, yeah, definitely something that I encourage you, if you're listening, to jump on board with. Uh, now, we had church today, but the, the next church service will be in two weeks, so currently running uh, fortnightly. So there's still the two services running, one at 9 a.m. and one at 10.15. So, um, yeah, making sure that you're, you're getting uh, prepared for, for that. If you're uh, keen to come, um, the Shire Salvo's uh, Facebook page will, will have the Eventbrite uh, website for you to go to uh, where you can book, and uh, they fill up uh, pretty quickly, so make sure uh, you're jumping in uh, quickly for that. Uh, talking about church, uh, bus drivers are needed. Uh, so there are some people that are coming uh, to Shire Salvos from Miranda. Uh, so they uh, they need some people uh, that would be keen to drive uh, the Shire Salvos bus. 
uh, from Miranda to Menai uh, for fortnightly Sunday services. Uh, so if that's something uh, that you're interested in or something you can uh, you think you can help out with, uh, then you can contact the office on 95429500 and uh, they'll give you the, the necessary uh, information there. That would uh, certainly be helpful for a lot of people that, uh, yeah, find it a little bit uh, difficult, uh, um, accessible um, to, to come to church and things like that. So that would be fantastic. Uh, and finally, Claire, Claire there's a, a job uh, opportunity uh, with the Shire Salvos Miranda location. Uh, they're looking for both an emergency relief worker and a case worker to join the team there. So both of those roles are part-time. And if you want any more information on that, or are you interested in applying for one of the positions, you can contact either uh, Coralie Ruff on 0482033519 or Mark Soper on 0402927657. So if there's anyone that's got a bit of a, a social work background or, yeah, interest in that, then uh, please do uh, do contact uh, Coralie and Mark there. They'll be able to uh, point you in, uh, in the right direction. But don't forget that uh, all the latest news and everything that's happening in the life of the church is uh, going to be happening on our Shire Salvos website, which is shiresalvos.org.au, and also on the Shire Salvos Facebook page. So make sure you're jumping on there and uh, giving that a like, and uh, all of these uh, news and alerts will certainly be coming at you uh, on social media, but uh, also on the website uh, as well. So... Uh, that is all the news uh, for this week. We're going to leave it uh, there here on uh, Shire Salvers, and we're going to jump into a special interview. Uh, Andrew and Kim Hill uh, were speaking uh, on the couch this morning at church. Claire, you were you were there in in person. What uh, what can you tell everyone about uh, this interview that we're about to hear from Andrew and Kim? Yeah, so Joel gives a good introduction as well, but um, basically just following up from our 40 hours of prayer um, and just their experience of prayer, what that means to them in their life. And so, yeah, I encourage you to listen um, to what they've got to say. Yep, so we'll have this interview with um, with Andrew Hill and Kim Hill and then uh, we'll come back and we'll transition uh, into the message with Mark Soper. So last weekend we had uh, 40 hours of, um, of, of prayer and we just want to firstly acknowledge uh, Lynn, Lynn uh, Diane who was in the service before and uh, Kim as well in terms of all the hard work they put into making that um, uh, event and that weekend happen. Uh, so we had different prayer stations within uh, the church here and so people basically designated an hour of their time over the 40 hours uh, to just, yeah, be still and listen to God. Uh, people were reading the a Bible app plan together, and there were 50 people involved, whether they were praying at home or within our, our church over that time. And it was such a great way to just start and just take time to be still and listen uh, to what God has to say. And so we have Kim and Andrew here, this second round, so uh, congrats to them for doing a double service. Um, but we just want to hear about your story. And so the first is, have you had a, any revelation about prayer over yeah, recent times or even over that 40 hours of prayer weekend as well? Yeah, uh, I think confirmation um, that God wants me, wants us to have a constant conversation with Him. Um, and what does that look like in my, my day-to-day means if I'm going into like a work meeting or um, a conversation with someone, um, Lord, just be with it, be in this conversation. Ask your Holy Spirit to lead me um, so that the way I interact with people is the way, is what you want me to do, is the words that you want me to say. And that's, um, I know the Bible says that God is always with us, but it's a way that I then, I'm intentional, I posture towards God so that I'm ready to hear his voice. 
So I'm in tune. Um, and the analogy I would give is, you know, if you're in the kitchen and someone's talking to you, you've got the water running and maybe dishwasher going, and you're trying to have a con conversation, you can't hear them. But you turn every, all the distractions down and now you can have a conversation. And that's, I guess, what God's been speaking to me. Yeah, that's great. And for you, Kim, what, what does prayer look like for you? What do you find meaningful and really powerful in your own life? Um, yeah, it's very similar to what Andrew said. I think for me, it's just um, being able to talk to God about anything, anywhere, anytime. Um, my my um, process is I like to get up first thing in the morning and spend time with God. I like to talk to him first. Um, put a cup of coffee on, and it's just my time where I can just sit and um, be still, and I write things down. I do plans um, in version, and um, it's not complicated. It's very simple, and um, over the years, God has just given me more um, of his revelation. Yeah, that's great. And so what does, in terms of you look over time and what God has done, is there a particular moment recently that you've seen God at work with in terms of your prayer life? Yeah, um, I shared this in the morning service, the 9 o'clock, um, and I'll try and keep it condensed because I don't want to be over time, but I have to give context to the story. Um, about six months ago, um, our next-door neighbor who we love moved out because he was failing in his health, and we had a really lovely relationship with him. And... Um, as you know, when you get next-door neighbors, you just want to make sure that they're good people. <laughs> you know, you don't want to have a bad next-door neighbor. So I started the process of really praying that God would bring a really great, great neighbors to us. Um, and I started that process, and so he did. And we have this lovely couple that live next door, and um, they have a little boy who um, doesn't sleep very well. We don't hear him, but um, we obviously know that they're not getting enough sleep. Um, anyways, long story short, I really feel God prompting me to reach out. And they don't have family. They're on their own. They're just the two of them with this brand new baby, first-time parents. So kind of getting a context, when you have a first child, you don't know what you're doing. And especially if you don't have family to draw, you know, experience on, you don't know what you're doing. Came over one day and she was bringing us our mail because they brought that for they they looked after our mail while we were away in January, and I could tell that she was tired and exhausted. And I just said, "Are you okay?" And she just started to cry, and I just felt overwhelmed. And I thought, "Lord, whatever I need to do, just show me what I need to do. Help me to say the right thing. Help me to not be intrusive, but whatever I can do, just provide." those answers. So that was just a simple shoot up prayer, Lord help me. Within the context of a few days, I felt this prompting to go next door and not just say words to people and then never do anything about it. I wanted to be a person of action. So I really felt God prompting me to go next door and he was crying. I could hear him crying. So I was at the door, I was knocking and he was still crying and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't be knocking. Maybe she's trying to get him to sleep and here I am trying to knock on the door. But I did feel this overwhelming urge to just keep knocking, so I did. And what happened was she came to the door and we were able to have a conversation where I thought, you know what, let's just get together. Let's get used to being around other people. Let's try and give you a break from a crying child. Let's just do some practical things. So it started the process of her coming to our house and getting used to our environment and the baby. 
And then I just felt like I needed to be plugging into the, the play group that happens here on Friday. So I spoke to Joe, I spoke to Beck, and I told them the story it has come two weeks in a row. Um, we're, we're seeing a difference in just how she's feeling. And um, yeah, it's all just through God, show me how I need to really be a help to this family. It just It's not on my own strength because I don't know what to do half the time. I don't know what to say. And I feel like this could be a real transformative story. And I know that God, the Holy Spirit, will convict them. I don't have to preach Jesus to them. I don't, you know, my faith hopefully will be evident in just in my actions. And I'm praying all the time that I will, will do that. My 40-hour prayer moment last week was amazing. So we're at Connect Group and um, Rob, um, our Connect Group leader, was um, asking us for just prayers each from each one of us. And so I wrote them into my phone. And then that afternoon I went to the track and I had signed up for six till seven at the, um, for prayer, for the 40 hours of prayer. But I, I'm, I'm going to do it at the track because I just can't do the sort of alone in, you know, in my house thing. But I can follow a line on the track and pray. <laughs> and um, so I was doing that. And then the first half an hour of running, just at a pace that it was comfortable so I could stay connected to God, put on a good worship playlist, which, which was from Stu Briggs, some great 80s and 90s worship music. <laughs> and I'm praying for the first half hour for my connect group, every individual. And then as I crossed for the second half hour, Lord, just give me names and give me a word for the people that you want me to pray for, to bring before you. So I crossed that line on the second half hour and like first name comes in my head was just like, whoa, where'd that name come from? And a word. And every lap, I did a, every lap, a new name, a new word for half an hour. And I get home and um, I'm telling Kim this story. You got to, this, this is freaking me out, Kim. <laughs> so she's writing down all these words, all these names and I've got these lists of people. And I start texting some people who I'm more familiar with just because I'll just test it because I didn't want to be weird <laughs> and go, hey, Joe Blow, who I don't know, but here's a word. And they're like, cuckoo. <laughs> the first one was for Lauren and it was just confirmation. It was bang on. And the second one was like just spot on. And this was confirmation. Yes, this isn't just Andrew's imagination. This is the Holy Spirit. And then the devil came in and said, Andrew, you're so, this is so good, you're awesome, the, you're, you're just the best prayer person. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. This is about you, God. So I had to just check that in myself self as well. And I've got to say, I was like floating on a cloud. I'm like, God, please give me more of this stuff. And he's like, Andrew, just get connected with me more and this will come. So that was my moment. That's good. And so there's power in people's stories. And so I want to thank you both for sharing how yeah, God's working in your own lives. And for that, and yeah, the fact that for you, Andrew, that you just, God's instilling all these people, yeah, their names and words for them, and it's creating action. But it's about, it's simple, it's being consistent, but just being open to say, God, use me how you want. So we just appreciate what you do, um, and we'll be praying for you both as well. Thank you.
So that was the interview with the Hills. Uh, we yeah, we we love the Hills at uh, at Shire Salvos. They've uh, yeah a massive commitment to our church, and um, yeah, we really enjoyed uh, listening to them chat about prayer and the important part that it plays uh, in their life. And uh, yeah, certainly hope that you were able to to gain something out of that, or be encouraged, or maybe even something just to to think about um, uh, in the in the next uh, coming days. Prayer is so important in our our journey uh, with God. Uh, we're going to move uh, from that straight in uh, to the Bible reading uh, with uh, Ashley O'Keefe was doing the Bible reading for us this morning, uh, and that is uh, followed with uh, the sermon from uh, from Mark Soper. So I certainly hope that you uh, you enjoy this sermon, and uh, as always, make sure that you're you're praying about everything that's happening in uh, in your spiritual life. And yeah, we pray that uh, you've been able to be encouraged and maybe even challenged by Mark's talk. And we'll come and wrap up the Shire Subways podcast after this. Good morning, church. My name is Ash, and I'm going to bring us today's Bible reading. If you want to flick your Bibles to Acts 27, we're reading verses 9 to 12 and then 20 to 40. Much time had been lost sailing and had already become dangerous because now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you all the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took surroundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took surroundings again and found... It was 90 feet deep. Fearing they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let let a lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were, were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "'Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved.'" So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, 
there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. How good is it to be in church this morning? Oh, you know, that's a bit, nearly, nearly a better response than this morning. There you go. Um, I want to ask you a question. I want a question. It's probably more of a statement. How sweet is the voice of God? Awesome. Nothing is sweeter than hearing the gentle whispers of God. Would you agree? And um, on our holiday, um, we were up in, up in uh, Cairns, and we're at a place called Muddy's. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a, like an awesome playground for kids, and it's a, a coffee shop right on the water there. It overlooks. It's beautiful. And my beautiful um, wife, for my 40th, it was my birthday, we went there, and she'd arranged 40 different people to write uh, a message of encouragement for me or whatever, and um, it was just, it was really nice. And, and June, where's June? June over there, June? Um, June and Lauren had organized for some of her prophets, or people that are in tune with God, I suppose, or prayer warriors, to speak a word over me, but I didn't know the, them from a bar of soap, but I thought I was interested to read what they would say. I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And... Um, and so Lauren says, look, let dad, um, he's going to read some of these letters or whatever, and we'll go and play or whatever, and so just I can have a moment to myself. And uh, that was awesome. And as I opened uh, these letters, I just began to cry. It was as if, I'm like, how do they know this, but not even that, but it was just like that God knew me. And he reminded me of dreams that I'd had when I was younger. He reminded me of the calling, reaffirming the calling on my life. It encouraged me when I was, you know, just getting my time. And, but it, it fired me up. And you know what? There were things that only God could know. I can tell you this. The gentle whispers of God make moments in life so much richer. Would you agree? And you know what I'm praying and believing, that there's a new season, not that God hasn't spoken here before, not that God hasn't done a new thing here before, not that God hasn't moved here before, not that God hasn't, ha we haven't had people get saved here before, but you know what? We are going to hear on a more regular basis the whispers of God, and it's a partnership. We're going to meet Him halfway. We're going to be willing to com commit and come fortnightly, and on the fortnightly, God will speak seven days a week, but I say we're going to be willing to commit on that fortnight. And we're going to rock up. And every time you come through the door, I am praying. People are praying that you would hear the gentle whispers of God. And you would hear what you need to hear to get through with what you're going through. To be challenged, to be encouraged, to, you know, into whatever relationship, whatever circumstances. He knows your individual circumstances. And we are praying. That as we open the word, as we, as we worship, at whatever it is, it could be just one thing. That God, through the Holy Spirit, would gently whisper what you need to hear. Because God still speaks to people who take the time to listen. And my challenge for you is, take regular time. And on Sunday, is just a time that you can allow the whispers of God to speak to your spirit. Are you with me?
Are you ready for the gentle whispers of God to speak to your spirit? Not through anything of me, but just because he is so good. Um, last week we spoke at Acts 26. This week we're speaking, um, uh, this fortnight we're, we're speaking on Acts 27. And next fortnight I'm on Acts 28. So you want to get ahead of the game, you can do some pre-reading. Um, it'll be really good. But basically, Paul um, is getting his chance to go to Rome to basically face his D-Day, his day in court, I should say. And there's a little bit going on here. So 276 men, some are prisoners, some are guards, some are sailors. They are making their way all the way to Rome. And they jump on a boat. It's, uh, the owner of the boat's on the boat as well. And it's a whole heap of wheat and a whole heap of grains. And they're on the way to Rome. But what has happened is the weather wasn't as good as it normally was. And in September, you normally stop sailing and you, you stop for a couple of months at least during this particular season. Because the winds were crazy. They said if you, if you were in the ship in October after September, it was oh, not great. If you started sailing in November, it's a death wish. So here we are, these 276 men and all the people, they're sailing. And Paul says to him, and he does a bit of an I told you so. Me and Lauren, we try and never do I told you so's. Um, but they're getting a pickling. He goes, I told you. But in verse 8, he tells them. And he says, um, men, this is going to end in disaster. We should basically stay in Fair Haven, which is in verse 8. And basically, I reached it. Why, why wouldn't they want to stay in Fair Haven? I researched a little bit. And Fair Haven was a small little town. Not much to do in Fair Haven. And um, the men, oh, this is how men think, they, uh, they think, uh, let's go, let's risk our lives and all the cargo and all the ship, let's risk our lives to get ahead just a little bit further down on the way to Rome because there's a nicer spot to, 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 to rest up for two months. It was probably things that you would do in that town that you probably shouldn't be doing, but they thought it would be better for the men to be able to be there, be more comfortable, there's more accommodation, there's more places, there's more entertainment and things like that. So eventually... They go against Paul's advice, and they take the advice of the owners of the, the ship and the sailors, and they push on, and then Paul eventually gets to say, I told you so. Um, and so we find ourselves in this story, um, and it's a beautiful story, but I believe in this story, it gives us a formula, a map, how we can lead and live better during difficult times. I believe it gives us a formula of how we should, how we can lead better, live better during difficult times and challenges in life. And the first thing I believe, if you want to lead and live, live well during challenging times, the first is you're going to have to have a teachable spirit. You're going to have to have a teachable spirit. What are the benefits of having a teachable spirit? You can shout them out. You get taught, you learn stuff. What else? You can teach others. What else? You change for the better. You're not stuck in your ways. The Holy Spirit is all about change, molding and shaping us into His likeness. If you're not open to change, you cannot be really open to the Holy Spirit. What else? What, what is it to have a teachable spirit? You're open to God's ways, not your ways. That's right. His ways are better than my ways. His plans are better than my plans. His plans are better than your plans. You with me? We have to yearn for a teachable spirit. And I was asking God, well, what are, what are things that stop us from having a teachable spirit? And I reflected, God, what is it that stops me from having a teachable spirit? And we see in Scripture, pride. Why would I listen to Paul 
Even though he's God's man, he's a prisoner. What does he know? Let's listen to the sailors because they sort of know what they're doing. Pride. What's the other thing? Comes out in scripture. Personal comfort. Personal comfort. We will often choose personal comfort over true convictions and callings of God in our life. It could be God's called us to do something. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm not so it's a bit of a risk or whatever. And I'll tell you this. We are drawn to comfort, but it doesn't change the world. We are drawn to comfort, but it does not change the world. Think about Bram and Judy over in the Congo. Not comfortable, but they were there. They were called for such a time as this. doesn't change the world. Personal comfort. And the third thing that I think that stops us from having a teachable spirit is money. Money. Think about it. Why do you think the owner of the ship and all the sailors wanted to get to Rome and risk everyone's life? Let's just think about it. To risk everyone's life. Why do you think they wanted to get to Rome when they shouldn't be traveling? They've got cargo. So what was going to happen? They were going to get paid. But rather than just wait to get paid for a couple of months and bear down in Fair Haven and listen to Paul, they think, you know what, let's risk it all. Let's roll the dice. Let's make sure we get paid. And I can tell you this, money often stops us from having a teachable spirit. I know two young guys, not well, two guys, um, that they've changed their jobs or career and took a massive pay cut, but they did what God had called them to do. And I can tell you this, they're not without. They'll be more alive than ever before. They'll be more fulfilled than ever before. And you know what? God's hand is not too short. I can tell you this, not only are they storing treasures in heaven, there'll be enough for them to go around. I can tell you that. I had a young guy, he asked me, he says, Mark, I want you to help me. I, I, I want to set some financial goals and all this. And I said, so, okay, I want you to get together. I want you to get how much you earn. What do you spend? Where do you spend your money? So what are your financial goals? Let's, let's sit down and we'll work it out. He goes, yep, yep, no worries in doing it. But I said, before, as you prepare, I can tell you this. I said to him, never shortchange God to get ahead financially. Because I'm not going to give you that advice. My grandfather gave it to me when I was 16. He says, you give God his first fruits. And you can work out the rest. And you know what? I've never been without. It's been tight at times. There's been testing times. But you know what? I've never been. You never shortchange God to get ahead financially. It is the platform and basis of, of the faith. And you read about it in Deuteronomy 28. Have a read of it. It's all about the blessings of God from following His will and His way. When we say yes to God, His hand is not too short. He will make it work and not just make it work and scrape by he will above and beyond what you can hope dream or imagine you with me so I feel like from the story if we want to lead and live well we need to have a teachable spirit we need to ask God to take away any pride and willingly get out of our comfort zone and be honoring with him with our finances in all avenues and I believe that we will have whatever we need to succeed in life. The second thing about how to lead and live better in difficult times is this. Choose to be a hope giver in whatever situation you find yourself in. Okay, Paul finds himself in a terrible situation. 
and he chooses to be a hope giver. He did do the old told you so thing, and I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, Paul. You could just go on with, but 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 you know what? He chooses to be a hope giver. He chooses to fill them with courage. He chooses to go, okay, men, let's come together, let's work this out. He chooses to be, and I think sometimes as Christians, we need to be choose to be a hope giver. And you know why I know that every single one of you have the ability to be a hope giver. You know why I know that? Because God's Spirit is in you. God is with you. And where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. You're freedom walkers, you're freedom givers, you're hope givers. But we not only need to believe that, we need to live in a way and act like we are hope givers. Christians aren't hope drainers. We're hope givers. And the way that we can drain people of hope is try to correct their behavior. Are you with me? I have tried to do it. It doesn't work. I've, Paul Tristan's been on the backhand of a couple of um, women mentoring, going, mate, drilling him down or whatever. But you know what? It doesn't work. He does, it does eventually, but yeah. Yeah, he's still turning out. But you know what? But I have to live in such a way that it inspires, it encourages him and uplifts him. And you know what? It turns his life and attention to God. And I let God, I let Jesus do the convicting. I let Jesus do the heavy lifting. I let Jesus do the changing, the molding and all this. My part is to live and keep my focus on the prize and encourage people to get connected to Jesus. Are you with me? And Christians and churches for so long, and trust me, I have done this. We've tried to correct people by all this. People will know that you're my disciples if you what? Have love for one another. People will say to me, oh, but where? And it also says, Mark, in Scripture, call people to repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Yeah, but how did Jesus do it? He lived in such a way that people were drawn to him. And then they encountered his grace. And from that encounter, they changed their life to become more like him. People will say in Matthew 18, it says, if someone does wrong against you, you can go and talk to them. They're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ here. So not just anyone. But it also says in Galatians, do it in a spirit of gentleness. That's how Jesus did it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a hope giver. With a bit of enthusiasm. Come on. You're a hope giver. Beautiful. Okay, so first of all, how do we lead and live during difficult times? We strive to have a teachable spirit. We try to hand over our pride thinking that we know better. We try to hand over our personal comfort and be obedient to what he's asked us to do. We try to be faithful in all the resources that God has given us. We then also realize that we are a hope giver because God is with us. And I love it when um, Paul says, it's in verse 23, it says, Last night an angel of the Lord in whose I am. Isn't that beautiful? He realized he was a child of God. You need to realize that you are a child of the Most High God. And because of that, and because His Spirit rests in you, you can be, you are a hope giver. And we need to ensure we act like it. And the last thing is this. Do whatever it takes to bring people together. 
do whatever it takes to bring people together. We see that Paul, in the story, um, the sailors are thinking, we're not going good and there's a life raft. And what does he goes? Tell them not to do that. We've got to stay together. Otherwise, we're going to drown. He keeps them together. He brings them together for a meal. Something powerful about that. And he encourages them. Are you with me? We are called to bring people together. You know, Satan, he comes to destroy. Would you agree? And there's a war. There's a saying that says this. It says, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. That's how Satan does his best work. That's how you win the war. You divide people and you conquer. You know, the sheep are here and a wolf, if he wants to kill, get it some kill a sheep what does he do he doesn't go the whole pack he diverts them off and puts it and that's what satan wants to do he wants to divide and conquer and you know what he has done to the churches for far too long we're divided over theology and all sorts of things it's divide and conquer it's to get us to fighting on facebook about these things that we believe and don't believe and whatever it's ridiculous divide and conquer and on the other side we've got this the people united will never be defeated the people, united, will never be defeated. You with me? I won't get you to say it, but it's okay. Um, but that, let me tell you this. God's people, united, will never, never be defeated. God's people, when we are together in, with, with Christ and together with each other, will never be defeated. When God's people are together, we will see a move of the Holy Spirit that has never been seen before. When you are united with Christ and in tune with His Spirit, you will see God move in your life like never before. Andrew and Kim, you know it's been great seeing God do, like, do that stuff just recently. That's nothing what He's got in store for you. That's just, ice, that's just, a, bit, that's just a bit of ice in the cake, but He's got a huge cake for you. And more people are going to eat from that cake. More people are going to get blessed from that cake. Sorry for the terrible analogy, but we're going to go with the cake. So I like cake. You understand what I'm saying? God has more for you. God wants to move in ways he's never, but, but if we are united, if we stick together, if we keep our eyes on the prize, he is going to move mightily. And no matter what situation you find yourself in, God will move. God will speak. And I tell you what, the gentle whispers of God will bring a greater fulfillment than you have ever experienced. And we're going to have right now, the team's going to come up, you're going to have a time right now just to sit, I want to encourage you to close your eyes and allow the gentle whispers of God to speak. Now when you spend time, he might have prompted you about someone, he might have prompted you for someone. You might just need to receive a truth this morning that you are a child of God. You might see a truth like the God that you love me. You might need to be challenged about an error in your life. It could be pride. It could be personal comfort. It could be anything. It could be about your language that you often talk negative things, but you want to talk things up more. Just allow the Spirit to speak to you. But it could be that you need to receive something or you could that you need to do something, put something in place. It could be that you're going to get back your routine Get back your routine and spending time with God and letting His gentle whispers be a, a constant in your life.
So that was the message for this week from church. It's uh, been good to have Mark uh, preaching back to back the the first two uh, services back at church. It's yeah been been great to have fellowship. Although I haven't been able to be there in in person, I've heard a lot about uh, what uh, what's been happening at church and different things. So um, it's yeah been great to see the fellowship with uh, everyone together, and yeah hope that. The sermon and the interviews and the local news and everything we've been able to give you uh, in tonight's episode has been beneficial to you. As always, we certainly appreciate uh, any feedback that you want to give us. Uh, please do contact the uh, the church and uh, yeah, feel free to even just uh, drop a message or a like or anything in uh, on the Shire Sowers Facebook page where this will be uh, uploaded as well. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you uh, more episodes of the, uh, the Shire Salvers podcast. I hope you're doing well wherever you are and uh, working through what has been, yeah, no doubt a, a difficult last at 12 to 18 months uh, for everyone. Claire, it's been great doing the Shire Salvos podcast with you as always. And yeah, hope you got something from uh, from the message today and uh, the Hills interviews uh, as much as I'm sure other people did as well. It's great. It's so encouraging to hear the message and particularly that encouragement around unity and, and the importance of the church being unified, not only unified to God, but unified to each other as well. So yeah, it started the week off really well hearing that message. So looking forward to another great message next week. Yep, and we'll be bringing that uh, next week for you on the Shire Salvos podcast. But that's all we have time for tonight, episode three in the books of the Shire Salvos podcast. And until uh, we meet again next week, uh, where we'll have more updates about everything happening in the life of the church, as well as some great sermons and challenges in our walk with God. This is Jack Clifton and Claire Clifton saying goodbye. Bye. Bye.